You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Well, welcome again. Glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, if you'll go ahead and start making your way back to your chair, um, we're going to get going with the message. And, and before I get there, uh, I just wanted to give you a uh, one reminder, I was just talking about Growth Track 301, and so just wanted to remind you that we're trying to offer those monthly, and so there's three installments. Today's installment of Growth Track will be the last one, and and I just want to encourage you, if you're looking to make GTF your church home, Growth Track is kind of the place to be. In, in Growth Track 101, we talk about who we are as a church, um, where we came from, what we're about, how we do ministry, because, you know, as, as we prayed for the body of Christ this morning, it's like there's, there's so many different churches that believe in Jesus as Lord, amen? And so we agree on that, but we do things a little bit differently. We have different traditions, and we, we worship a little bit different, and so there is differences and uniquenesses to each different body that, that worships the Lord. And so we just want to share with you what that looks like for us here at GTF, how our government's made up and all that. That's 101. 201, we talk about growing spiritually and just some things that we encourage all of the people who are here to be doing as they're, they're pursuing the Lord. And then 301 is how you can get involved and how you can do that. It's really based around what we believe that God has called us to do. God, we believe that God birthed GTF to help people discover God's grace continually grow in our faith so that we can all reach into our community. And that's what we're all about every single day. It's like everything that we talk about, it's how can we help people step into a greater measure of the grace of God in their life? How can we not become pew potatoes and just sit around and consume instead of growing? And we, I, I just if, if you're here for any length of time, you're going to learn that about us. We're going to push you to continue to grow in your faith and then get, it, get your faith active so that you're reaching into the community around you and touching people and shining the light that's inside of you. Amen? That's what it's all about. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't made an opportunity or get, taking advantage of an opportunity to go through Growth Track yet, we will be starting another round in March. The, the dates will be in your bulletin that are coming up, and just encourage you to get involved. All right, if you have your Bibles, open those this morning to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. It's going to be one of those days. First Samuel chapter 17. And uh, we're going to continue a series that we've been in titled Giants in the Land. And as we've been going through this, um, kind of the, the, the whole premise of this sermon series is the reality that God has a promised land for you. He has a blessing for your life. He has a destiny and a purpose for you. Whenever he knits you together in your mother's womb, he called you into existence for a reason. And as you begin to cooperate that, with that and you begin to respond to Christ in your life and you step into your destiny in Jesus and step into that promise that he has for you, you will experience resistance. There are giants, that you're, spiritual giants, that you're going to face as you walk with Christ throughout your lifetime. And so what we've been doing is talking about the reality of why Jesus came. 1 John 3 says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. You know, sickness is not a blessing. Poverty is not a blessing. Sin is not okay. You know what I mean? And so there, there's this, this, this kingdom of darkness that's at work in the earth. And the reason that Jesus came was to shine light in the darkness. The reason that he came was to destroy the works of the devil and to return what, what the reality that you and I are experiencing today, 
to return that to the reality of what God created it to be in the garden. That's the reason that Jesus came. And so as we look around us and you see some things that are broken, you see some things that are unjust, you see some things that are not right, one of the ministries of Jesus is to bring his hand into that situation and heal it, correct it, bring justice where justice needs to be brought. Amen? And so as that's the reality of Jesus, and you and I are walking into the promise that we have, we're going to experience resistance. And so one of the things that we're, we're trying to, to do throughout this series is just to kind of reveal what some of those common giants that you and I have are and talk about some of the tactics that we need to overcome them. Because God has called us to live an overcoming life to where we cast off bondage, that we walk in freedom, and we destroy the works of the devil just like our Savior did. Amen? And so the, the last couple of weeks we've talked about the giant of despair and how his desire is to overwhelm you to the point where you lay everything down and quit. Where you just stop doing what God's asked you to do and what he's called you to do and you just roll over and let him win. That's what despair does. The tactics we talked about was that we needed to get a heavenly perspective rather than playing around with the negative thoughts that roll around and around and around our head. And then we needed to stand and fight because that's exactly the opposite of what the enemy wants us to do. He does not want a church that realizes who they are in Christ and stands up to him. And so he'll battle you with despair. Last week we talked about the giant of captivity. And the giant of captivity wants to lure you back into bondage. You remember the children of Israel, and we read the story last week, how whenever they got set free from Pharaoh and they were walking through the wilderness, they began to experience some resistance. It got hard. And as it got hard, this revolt began to, this uprising started happening against Moses' leadership. And people said, let us choose a different leader who will lead us back into Egypt. And it's just crazy to me because Egypt was not a friendly place to the Israelites. They were in slavery. They were in bondage. They had hard labor. They didn't have freedom. They didn't own stuff. No property. And, it, and they got to a place where the enemy, this giant of captivity, was luring them and tempting them back into a place of bondage. And you and I deal with temptations on a regular, right? You and I need to know how to overcome those temptations, those evil desires that attack us. And so we talked about the tactic of divorcing our demons and aligning with God. James 4 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's a promise. That as we align our life with God and we resist the kingdom of darkness, that we will have victory. That we can overcome the spirit of darkness that's around us and then to cling to the word of truth. Truth is what will set you free. So today, this is what I want to do. This, I've recapped everything so that we can get to this point. Today I want to talk to you about the giant of intimidation. I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and I want to kind of first of all kind of paint a picture for you of what the, what the giant of intimidation looks like. I don't think that there's a better parallel in Scripture than the story of David and Goliath. Most of us know this story, but we're going to read a heavy portion of it today, and I would encourage you to read the whole story later on whenever you get home. But 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, this is what it says. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sukkot which belongs to Judah and encamped between Sukkot and Azekah 
in some weird place. And Saul, the, man, the men of Israel, were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had, bronze, uh, he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be, shall be servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. I want you to think about this passage and, and what's happening as Goliath is taunting the armies of Israel and trying to draw them into battle. It paints for us a really great picture of the giant of intimidation. As you kind of read through this, it gives you these great descriptives of what Goliath looked like and what he did. Uh, it, it went through several different um, kind of measurements for you. And I want to break these down because one of the things that, the, that, that, that Goliath was is he was imposing. It says that he was six cubits in a span tall. That's nine feet tall, according to our measurements. I want you to think about that for just a second, okay? Because that's hard to register. Nine feet tall. You ever, you ever known somebody that was seven feet tall? Anybody? I've known a, a guy that was seven feet tall, and I'm just telling you, I would stand next to him and be like, hey. There was something imposing just by their height, Right? And this guy walks out on the battlefield, he's taller than everybody else, and he is a giant. Nine feet tall. Not only was he imposing, but he was strong. It says that he had a coat of mail that was 5,000 shekels of bronze. So I want you to imagine this coat of mail. And 5,000 shekels is the same as, for us, 121 pounds. I want you to kind of wrap your brain around that for just a second because this is what you're dealing with whenever you're dealing with intimidation. Something that's imposing and something that's strong. Goliath was walking around with 121 pounds just from his coat of mail. Said that he had a, he had a, a, a javelin, a spear, and the head on that spear was 600 shekels. That's 14 and a half pounds. I don't know if you've been bowling lately. But usually whenever you go to the bowling alley, you pick out a ball and they're like 12 pounds or 13 pounds or a 14-pound ball. For some of us, a 9-pound ball. So I want you to get this in your head. This dude has a spear and the head of the spear weighs as much as a bowling ball. And he's chunking that thing with accuracy. So not only is Goliath imposing because of his height, and he's also strong. 
he's able to do some impressive things with his strength. But not only that, here's the last thing that I want you to want to point out about Goliath. He's a loudmouth. He's a bully that's picking a fight. He's calling names. He's sticking his finger right in the face of the Israelites, and he is daring them, daring them to step on the battlefield. Now, here's the thing. As you and I walk through our life, I've never come face-to-face with a guy like this. I mean, I've met some dirtbags in my life before, right? I've, I've come up against people that I don't care for, but I've never had to stand toe-to-toe with a literal giant that wanted to kill me. But you and I, on a day-to-day basis, we wrestle with a spirit that comes to intimidate us and prevent us from stepping into the promise that God has for our lives. The spirit of intimidation is in your promised land. He wants, to, he wants to build himself up in an imposing way and make himself seem strong to you so that you do not step into everything that God has desired for your life. He's a bully. He's going to call you names. He's going to criticize you. He's going, to, he's going to do everything that he can to intimidate you and cause you to shrink back from what God has called you to do. I want you to see the, the, the reaction of the Israelites. I, we read the whole part of Goliath and his description and then his boast. Okay, What he was speaking to the nation of Israel, the challenge that he was laying down. I want you to read the very next verse. I left this out so that we could come back to it and focus on it. It says in verse 11, when Saul, that's the king, the leader, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Say dismayed. I want you to think about that word for just a second, and I want to tell you what it means. Dismayed and greatly afraid. If you look at the Hebrew for dismayed, it means to be shattered with fear. It means to be shattered with fear, so much so that you just melt. Have you ever had a moment whenever you were frozen with fear. You ever had one of those moments? I I personally have never been in that situation myself. But I want to tell you a story about April, okay? (laughs) I'm lying to you. I've been afraid before. But I asked her if I could share this story with you because she shared it whenever she preached back in the spring. And I want, I want you to relate to this because you and I, every single person in this room, it does, I, I was going to tell you some of my fears, but my fears are kind of like, oh, that's really not that exciting. My, I worry about how we're going to pay the bills and whether my children are going to be okay and, and go to college and be debt-free. And it's like those, those are the things that keep me up at night, right? But April has a more fun story that I'm going to share with you. And whenever we were at the men's retreat this last uh, fall, um, she was preaching the next morning. How many of y'all remember this story? Okay, so some of you haven't heard it, so I'll, I'll, I'm excited to tell it to you from my perspective. And so what happened on the, the men's retreat, that morning she was supposed to preach, and so she, she woke up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, and she, was, she just kind of had this eerie feeling, and she looked up, and McCoy, his room is right across the hall from us. And we can kind of, if our, both of our doors are open, we can see into his room and we can hear what's going on in his room if he ever needs us in the middle of the night, which is fantastic. And so um, she looked over and there was a light on in McCoy's room and it wasn't on before. And the, the thing that, that she was noticing was, we sleep with our door closed most of the time and the light was coming on from underneath the door. 
And so she immediately had this dread kind of come over. Have you ever had one of those that, you know, you hear something in the middle of the night and your heart's kind of like, ugh. We're gun owners. We have a gun. And one of the things that started processing through April's brain was, it's like, I don't want to shoot Emery if Emery's up, stirred around in the kitchen. But it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and that's not a normal thing, right? And so what she said happened was she said, for literally like 30 to 45 minutes, I was just frozen. I was sitting in my bed, I was praying, and I was freaking out. You just have those thoughts that are just racing. It's like you're thinking of the worst case scenarios, and if, what if somebody come, bursts through the door, and what am I going to do? And she said at, at a certain moment, she was just like, why in the heck am I sitting in my bed afraid? And for me, whenever she was telling me the story later, I was like, why didn't you just call the police? And I'm glad she didn't because it's really harmless. And so she finally musters up some courage. She gathers her courage, and she goes into McCoy's room, and his lamp's on. And so she goes in and turns it off, walks throughout the house, checks everything out, and nothing's out of place. So she goes back to bed, and the light comes back on. And it freaks her out even more. And so she goes into the bedroom, and she's like, what in the heck's going on? She turns the light off, and she's just up, and she just prays for the rest of the morning, right? Has the gun right there. And doesn't figure out what's going on. So she's telling me this later as she, she preached that morning and she shared that story. She's telling me this later. I was like, oh, yeah, that lamp does that all the time. <laughs> I think there's a short in it or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so she said, she said, be sure that you relay that I was not that scared. <laughs> really what it was like was as soon as I got my courage up, I was more like, there was like a Charlie's Angel scene going on. <laughs> Th- this is my hair flowing. And I was sweeping the house for bad guys. Here's the thing. I, I, I want to share that story with you because every single one of us have been in moments in our life frozen in fear. Whether it's a real-life situation where you think you're fixing to lose your job, whether there's, you feel like there's somebody in the house that shouldn't be in the house, whether it is one situation or another, all of us know what it's like to be in this place of severe intimidation. That's where the nation of Israel were. They were shattered with fear as they stared this, this giant down in their promised land. And, and as we deal with intimidation, you and I have to come to a place where we get a gut full of it, and it's time that we start facing our giants instead of running from them. Where we, we do this, this thing in our, in our soul where we're running away from the things that we're scared of, and we have this pivotal moment where you step into the ground, you turn around, and you face the thing that you're afraid of the most. You have to face the things that intimidate you and take them head on. Here's the nation of Israel, and what God was calling them to do was to defeat the Philistines in battle, and they were so dismayed, they were so shattered in fear that this, this trudged on for days and weeks. Goliath would come out every morning and defy the armies of Israel, curse their God, who's gonna fight me? And nobody would. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. This is for you and me. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and you will wrestle with evil days in your life, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. God has called us to be people who stand against the enemy, to overcome the works of Satan and destroy them. And as the enemy comes, he comes with intimidation to convince us that we're inferior, that we're incapable, and that we should be shattered with fear. But listen to me. Love, perfect love, casts out fear. 
God has not called us to step in, to, to live in a place of fear. And if you're here and you struggle with fear and anxiety and it's gripping you to the place where you can't step into God's destiny for your life, listen, the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God is calling us into a place where we step into the promised land that he's asked us, that he's designated for us, that he's destined us to step into. And if you're not careful, you will be intimidated in your life and you'll never live up to what God's asked you to do. Now, if you want to stand toe-to-toe with the giant of intimidation, I want to give you some tactics today. And here's the, here's the, the, the primary one, is you have to get good at gathering your courage. Did you know that you can gather courage? See, courage, any courageous person that I've ever met doesn't mean that they don't wrestle with any kind of anxiety or struggle with fear. They get to that place where courage enables them to overcome their fears and face their enemies, to face the things that they're scared of the most. And so I want you to continue reading in this story, and I want to show you King David, and this is before he's king. This is shepherd boy David, and he steps onto the scene, and this is a guy who is full of courage. Full of courage enough that he faces the giant in the valley that nobody else will face. It says in verse 24 that all the men of Israel, when they saw Goliath, fled from him and were much afraid. So this is the continuation of the story, and it kind of paints this picture. This this period of time goes by, and all of the camp of Israel was in chaos. These guys were so scared, they were freaking out, and David steps onto the scene. His brothers were in the army, and his dad asked him to go and check on his brothers and to deliver them some supplies and some food and some cheese and some whatnot. And as he steps onto the scene, he sees this chaos happening. And he's like, what's going on? And he makes this inquiry, and he, and he sees Goliath, and he sees what's happening. It says, and David said, verse 26, to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Here's David, the shepherd boy. He rolls up on what's happening in this chaos, and everybody's in dismay. They're shattered with fear, and they're just sitting there wringing their hands. What are we going to do? And he's like, hey, what's the reward? The king obviously has offered a reward. What's the reward if somebody goes and kills him? They're like, well, Saul's promised his daughter. Awesome. So he marches himself over to King Saul's tent, and the report is already being given to Saul of what he's already said, that he wants to fight him. And this conversation takes place between David and Saul. I want to read this with you. Verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck both down, down both 
lions and bears, and, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And then David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Why don't you keep reading for a couple more verses. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with his, his coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go. For he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook, from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. I want you to, as we read through this account, I want you to see three things real quick. Out of David's experience in, in going into battle with Goliath, three things that caused him to gather his courage. The first, and, and this is probably the most important of all of them, but the first one is this, of where he did not gather his courage. See, David didn't step onto the scene looking to be validated by man. He wasn't looking for Saul to validate him. He wasn't looking for his brothers to validate him. He kind of rolled into the camp and he saw this Philistine. He's like, hey, can, how come nobody's fighting this guy? What's the reward? I'll go do it. He wasn't looking for anybody to put a rubber stamp of approval on him and saying, hey, you're a giant slayer. Go for it. He just stepped up and said, hey, listen, I can do this. I can take care of this problem. Verse 33, he said, you are not, this is Saul. He says, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Saul, in one moment, rejected him, but in the next moment, tried to tell him how to fight. Listen, if you and I are going to look for validation from men, then we will constantly be on the seesaw of rejection and favor, going back and forth. Saul says, you can't do this. And David's like, yeah, I can. Let me show you my resume. I've killed all these bears, killed all these lions. And then all of a sudden, Saul's like, great. Let's, you, let's let you be the fast sacrificial later. Go out there. And he starts telling him how to go do it. Listen, if you're looking for validation from people, you're constant gonna, constantly going to be vacillating in this insecure place of are you good enough or are you not? One moment I can do it, one moment I can't. David was not looking for validation from man. He had it from God. He had confidence. That courage was able to be gathered because he knew who he was, he knew whose he was, and he knew where he was going. He was able to step onto the battlefield because it was familiar to him in the context of shepherding sheep. Now here's the second thing. David drew confidence from his history in God. See, he didn't get confidence from mankind, from the people around him, but he did get confidence from his history with the Lord. It says in verse 37, I'll read it to you again. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine also. See, David knew that he was a lion slayer. He'd done it before. He knew he could kill a bear. It's crazy to me. It says in there that he it's like if the, if the bear would rise up against me or the lion would rise up against me, I'd grab it by the beard, cut its head off. No intimidation whatsoever. I, I don't know if you've ever been toe-to-toe -to -toe with a lion. I haven't. 
I think I'd be a little bit intimidated. I've seen a bear fishing. I about crap my pants. I mean, seriously, I carry a gun with me whenever I'm, I'm fishing, and we're up in the mountains, and it's like, you know, I had a, a buddy with me one time, and he was like, hey, what kind of gun you carry? And I had my 9 millimeters. That's just going to make him mad. I'm like, well, it's better than me screaming at it. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to at least hit it once or twice and then try to run and then hit it again. And the thing about intimidation is this. Whenever you're trying to step foot into the promise that God has for you, you have to draw on your history with God. You know, God did it for me back there. God showed up. He was faithful. He didn't leave me hanging out to dry. And so he's going to show up again. David was drawing on the experience that he had of God's faithfulness and God's power and his favor on his life. And he was saying, you know what? The same God who delivered me from this lion and this bear is going to deliver me from Goliath. So he drew his strength from his history with God. Here's the last one. David drew his confidence from, uh, from his strengths, from his abilities, from his giftings. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these. He was, he was carrying Saul's armor. I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off, is what it said. Probably the smartest thing that David ever did before he fought Goliath. He knew how to fight with what he had to fight with. He stepped onto the battlefield not with conventional weaponry. He stepped onto the battlefield with a sling. He didn't even have a sword, if you read the rest of the story. He took Goliath's sword out of the sheath after he knocked him out and cut off his head. And so here's David, who knew how to do what he knew how to do with what God had gifted him with, with his abilities. Sometimes you and I, we think that what we have at our expenses... The gifts, the talents that you roll with, sometimes we think they're not good enough. But listen to me. God has given you what he's given you, and it's going to enable you to lay hold of victory in your life. That doesn't mean that you're not going to learn new things in new seasons, but God has given you exactly what you need right now to lay hold of the promise that he has for you in this moment in your life. I love what Donald Rumsfeld said uh, back in the day. He says, you don't go to war with the army that you wish you had. You go, with the, you go to war with the army that you have. And that, that's really true in, in our day-to-day life is you and I can be sitting here all day long and we're sitting there, well, man, if I could just sing like Mercy Perkins, then I would go worship. Or if I could just, you know, be a, 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 you know, speak in front of people, then I would preach the gospel. And here's the thing. God has given you a unique set of skills and gifts to reach the people around you. You have to walk and you have to go to war with what you have in your tool belt. And here's the promise, and this is what David knew. is like, man, if I just go with these, these rocks, I can beat this guy. All I need is these rocks and my sling, and I can do it. And so here's the thing that I want you to understand about drawing courage. is You, you sometimes look at what you have at your disposal, and you're like, man, this isn't enough, but it's plenty. It's plenty. God's given you everything that you need to lay hold of success. Everything that God has called you to do in this moment in your life, you have at your disposable. God's going to do through you what you can't do through yourself. So draw courage from the fact that God's history, your history in God has proven something to you of God's faithfulness. But not only that, the rocks that you have in your pocket, don't disparage them. Put them to work. 
It's amazing to me whenever I step on the scene, whenever I first started in ministry and I would preach and it was like, man, God, I, don't, I just don't know that that did anything. And people would come up to me and say, hey, thank you for sharing that word today. It was exactly what I needed to hear. I get up here on, on Sundays and I talk to some of you after service and you're like, man, Pastor Jory, you, you must have been at our house this week because that's exactly what we were struggling with. And you don't know this, but right before service, I was like, Jesus, please make this work. Please make this work. Never disparage the tools that God has placed in your hands. It's going to be exactly what you need for the moment that you're in. Amen? Here's the thing. I want to wrap this up. I want to encourage you. It's time to step into your promised land. It's time. David was more focused on the reward than he was on the risk. All too often, we don't step into the promised land that God has for us because you and I are thinking about everything that could go wrong. The people that could reject us. The things that we could lose. But David stepped into this battle and he was like, hey, what will be given to me if I go kill that giant? What will be done unto the man who slays Goliath? He was more focused on the rewards of what was going to happen as he engaged with the enemy than what could have failed. There's so many of us that we're not praying those prayers because, well, what if they don't get answered? We're not stepping into a place of deep worship because what is somebody else going to think? We're not engaging fully with what God has for us, his promised land in our life, because of what could be wrong in our lives. Listen, you've got to start focusing on the reward more than you do on the risk. So it's time for us to step into our promised land. I want to read you this verse again. This is where we started. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Did you know that he's called you to do that? He's called you to do that. See, Jesus, whenever he ascended to heaven and now is seated at the right hand of the Father, he delegated and deputized his ministry to the disciples. And those disciples started something 2,000 years ago on the, day of on the day of Pentecost that carries through to 2020 right here in Dumas, Texas. The same ministry that they were delegated was the, is the same ministry that you and I have today. And so if your Savior appeared to destroy the works of the devil, then what happens whenever you roll up on the scene? You should be destroying the works of the enemy. You should be stepping into the fray, into the battle, and allowing God to utilize you to destroy the works of darkness in your family, in your friendships, in the people's lives around you at work, at school. God has called you to step into a place of ministering the gospel on a day-to-day -day basis. And so listen, it's time for you to step into your promised land. It's time for all of us. It's time for GTF to step into our promised land. Listen, where I'm at is I, I want to see more marriages healed at GTF than ever before. More souls saved than ever in our history. I want to see more young people chasing Jesus hard. More families circled around Christ at their table. In this season, that's what we're dreaming for, that's what we're praying for, and that's what we are going to step into the promised land that God has for this house. And every single piece of resistance that we come against from the kingdom of darkness, we're just going to step toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Here's the thing of where I am in my life at this point, and, and I, I just I feel like that God has allowed us 
by us, I mean April and I and our, our marriage and our history with him. He's allowed us to wrestle with so many big things because we, we just don't have in us to retreat. It's not going to happen. Whatever God puts before us, we're going to barrel through. It's like I looked at my history, and I would encourage you to look at yours, and all of us have, have walked rough roads. Life's hard. And one of the things that I pray that you get to is this, this kind of this anger, this righteous indignation inside of your gut where you're like, you know what? I'm just tired of getting beat up. I'm tired of getting beat up by the enemy. I'm going to stand in the day of evil, and I'm going to win. You have to get that resolve inside of you if your family's going to make it, if your marriage is going to make it, if you're going to stand in the place of victory whenever Jesus, whenever you stand before the throne of Christ and you give account for how you lived your life, you're going to say, what? What is it that you're going to say? And I've just got this thing inside of me, this conviction inside of me that's like, God, whenever I stand before you, I'm going to say, God, I didn't back down. I might have got my head cut off at one point in time, and here I am, but I didn't back down. It's time, GTF, for us to step into our promised land. And if we're going to do that, then we're going to have to defeat a giant of despair. We're going to have to overcome a spirit of captivity. And we're going to have to stand in front of whatever intimidates us and punch it right in the face, cut its head off, and barrel into the promise that God has for our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live any other way. I've lived a defeated life before. And I'm just telling you, it's the worst possible life to live. Living in a place where I'm struggling and battling to lay hold of victory, it's like there is this kingdom glory that we get to taste whenever we participate with what God's asking us to do in the kingdom of heaven. And so I just want to encourage you today that you would step into what God's asking you to do. And so I want to pray something before we leave today. And so if you could please stand with me this morning. I want to go ahead and transition and invite the worship team to come up and those who are going to serve communion, if you'll get the elements ready. And if you're a guest with us, we're fixing to take communion and you don't have to be a member of GTF to come participate with us. We have an open table. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're welcome to come and participate in the Lord's Supper this morning as we wrap everything up. But as we do this and you come to receive these elements today, I just want to encourage you to step into your promised land. And, and I just want to pray a prayer over us today. And I want to deputize you this morning. I don't know if anybody's ever done this for you, but listen. The day that you signed up for salvation in Christ. Do you know that it says in the Bible that your, your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life? That at the end of the age, books will be opened and you signed up for something. Eternal life, life in God's kingdom, but also you become a servant in the army of the Lord. You carry authority and you carry power in the spiritual realm. Anything that you're looking for to overcome the kingdom of darkness around you, you have in Christ. And so I just want to pray a prayer that, that the Lord would anoint you and that you would be deputized today to go destroy the works of Satan. If you want that today, I want to ask you to just bow your head and raise, bow your head and raise your hand. Do you want to participate with what God wants to do in your family? 
Do you want to be an instrument, a weapon in the hand of God? You know, there was a giant that was cursing the Lord and defying Israel, and God needed a servant to actually step onto that battlefield, and David showed up. God has not stopped using people to win his victories. And so, Father God, as we just raise our hands to you this morning, I just pray, God, that you would authorize and deputize and anoint these brothers and sisters of mine. Lord, that we would be a house that is known for destroying the works of the enemy. Lord, that even as we prayed this morning for bodies to be healed, God, that there would be an anointing that's increased in this house. Lord, I just pray that as people share their story and their faith with others, God, that it would pique their curiosity and that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray that as you begin to cause us to interact with other people in the community, that you would allow us to have some some sensitivity to what's going on in our life and how we can touch them with your healing hand. Come, Lord Jesus. Use us today. Help us step into our promised land. In Jesus' name.